Welcome to the Five Run Eight Podcast. I'm your host, Michael DiNicola. This is the podcast that talks to amateur runners from the 518 area code who juggle family and work while training for distance races on the weekend. This episode is the first of Five Run Eight's Legend of the Fall series. First up is Karen Bertasso Hughes. Karen regularly competes in all road distances in the local area while working full time as a physician's assistant. Karen's PR of 243.46 in the marathon earned her a spot at the 2020 Olympic Marathon Trials in Atlanta. I caught up to her, pun intended, right after her recent wine glass half marathon race where she ran a 117.45. Damn, that's fast. Karen gets the work in and works with other athletes to help them achieve their goals. Here is my discussion with Karen Bertasso Hughes. Karen, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, no problem. This is great. Um, so you've been running very well over the past few years. And uh, recently, you know, I, I noticed a few races that you had done. Um, we'll get to more specifics in a bit. But uh, last weekend, the, uh, the Wine Glass Half Marathon, um, that was a great race you ran. Please tell us about that. How did that go for you? Oh, thank you. Um, So I didn't really know exactly how it was going to go. I started my marathon build a couple months ago, but it's been very low mileage for me so far because we didn't really get into the meat and potatoes of marathon training yet. So I kind of was thinking I was underprepared and wasn't really sure how it would go, but I felt really good. And unfortunately, I thought (laughs) during the race, I thought I was going to run a little bit faster because I was feeling so good. Um, But I I really can't complain. Uh, It was a good day. I finished fourth the competition at Wine Glass this year. I know you've done it before. Um, It it was a a lot different, which is awesome. So there is a 112 won it for the women's race and then 113. And both of those were well under the course record of 116 from um, a decent amount of time ago. Uh, Then there was one girl ahead of me that was 116. But the most exciting part was that Roberta, who won, and Heidi, who placed third right in front of me, she they're both masters runners. And uh, I'm sure you can attest to being a master's that it's so inspiring to see uh, as I approach that category soon, these people that are just absolutely crushing it and running well into their uh, PR zones or, you know, whatever uh, at this point in their life. So it's really exciting. And uh, it was, it was a good day. It's been really nice uh, this weekend and last weekend. So the weather was great. Um, went out with a couple of the Willow Street girls. I had a couple athletes running the full marathon as well. So overall, it was just a great day. Uh, we, I got to watch them after our race. And it was just a nice little getaway for the weekend. So got in some good miles, got in, um, you know, good effort. Uh, and I think that there's more in the tank. So it leaves me a little hungry for more, which is always good. And then, yeah, now into marathon training full, uh, full blown right now. So. Wow. That's, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but we'll get to that marathon training in a moment. What was your time last weekend? So I ran one seventeen forty five, which essentially matches my PR for the fourth time now. <laughs> um, 
I can't believe I've run 117.45, 117.46, 117.44, and 117.45 again. So that's definitely a little bit frustrating. I took a little spill around mile 11. Uh, the course starts making some turns, and I just I was in the alpha flies, and I just think my legs were tired, and I just kind of stumbled and uh, rolled my ankle. Oh, so no. that was a few seconds right there. So it's like, darn it, I could have really had the PR. <laughs> but uh, I guess when you match it for the fourth time, uh, you can't complain. No, you can't complain at all. And uh, certainly I hope to uh, be out there running at some point and maybe running that, that event with you again. Uh, last time I ran it was 2019. And I, I think I was with you for a little bit of the way. And then uh, and you just pulled ahead. So, <laughs> um so, but that was, uh, uh, 2019 was my really good running year for many things. But anyway, um, that's a uh, wine glass is a really good race. It's a nice flat course. And, uh, for anybody who hasn't run it yet, you might want to consider the, uh, the full for a BQ in the future, but getting, uh, you know, getting into, let's see the past couple of years. And specifically, I noticed that you did win the Fargo marathon. That was a great win. Um, I'm sure everybody out there would like to hear about your, your journey leading up to that training and injuries along the way. What can you tell us about that whole experience, preparation and everything? Yeah. So I actually switched coaches in the beginning of the year and I had done Houston half coming back from an injury. I had, uh, Essentially, so their plantar fascia, there's a lateral branch, and a lot of people don't know about that, but I had uh, had an injury to that part of it. So it's not a full, it's, it's a little bit different as far as the presentation, but basically I had a foot injury, and um, the podiatrist I was seeing was okay with me running as long as I wasn't doing any anaerobic work or, or any speed work. So it was just basically a lot of base miles that I just was doing for myself um, and getting myself to that point. And then when I was there, um, I kind of, you know, was trying to figure out what was next and what I was going to do coach uh, with my coach or if I was going to try something different. And I kind of decided that I wanted to try something different at that point and um, just try to get strong do a different approach. I haven't done a lot of strength training in the past. I've dabbled into it a little bit, but um, the program that I ended up going with, uh, Run Free Training, they do a lot of strength um, in the program. And I got really comfortable doing a lot of the heavy lifting on my own versus, you know, not doing anything. And I think that, you know, was a real, helped really build a foundation. Uh, I do not like running in the heat at all. I think 55 degrees is too warm for a marathon. <laughs> so Fargo had a good history of being nice and cool. Um, so that's why I picked that race. And it most certainly was, uh, it was a real feel of 26 degrees at the start. Uh, it was pretty tough uh, in terms of knowing what to wear and they dealt with a lot of flooding out in Fargo around the time of the race. So they had to change the course two or three times, unfortunately. And it led to a lot of add-ins on the courses, meaning that you'd go in and do an out and back or 
you know, do an extra little like square. So there ended up being the newspaper reported 100 turns on the course. I counted 80 off of my Strava. But regardless, it was a very um, technical course and not very fast. then to top it off, you know, I pretty much was running alone. There were a couple girls that I thought I was going to be able to run in a little pack with. And we kind of talked about switching uh, the lead the last 10K. We were going to have a pretty good headwind. So we were talking about rotating during that point. However, like mile five, they just dropped off and I was solo. So uh, I dealt with that headwind myself, which was not fun. And then kind of just went into cruise control and um yeah I got the win which was super exciting knocked another marathon off my belt and I just think that you know the training going into it is just as important as the race itself you know anything can happen on marathon day you could have terrible weather you could have GI issues but everything leading up to that race is money in the bank so you've done all this work you have all these miles in your legs, that's only going to help you for the next time too. So even though it wasn't the most ideal outcome or day that I wanted, I think if anything, that whole training cycle and preparation made me stronger for this fall. All right. Awesome. I, uh, you know, and I, I've always, I, I watch all the runners in the area. And when I see someone like yourself, I'm like, Oh, wow. She made, she made the Olympic trials, you know, she's won some races uh, you know, what was her high school career like? What was the college career like? Um, did you uh, did you happen to run in high school and college? And if not, what sport did you play? And then what got you into running and then marathons? Yeah, so it's actually an interesting story. So I played soccer competitively. I played on the Olympic development team and several premier teams throughout high school. And that was my number one sport. I played varsity lacrosse for a little bit, but it didn't always match up with my soccer schedule. So the coaches weren't very happy that I was missing some stuff. So the track coach came up to me and was just like, listen, like, I know you're running outside of track practice or whatever practice you're at. You're a good runner. Just like come to what you can. So that's kind of how I got roped into the track team. So I switched from lacrosse to track and basically they just worked with my soccer schedule you know I was going down to Long Island um, you know midweek for premier games and practice down in Poughkeepsie area during the week so it was I wasn't always around to be available for the high school team so they were just super nice and just the environment I went to Scotia the coaches were great and it's not like it was a laid-back program they actually had a lot of talent at the high school and it was just really incredible to run with some of these girls that then went on to run at these big D1 universities and um, you know did really well so um, that's kind of how I got into it I started off as a 400 meter runner and got placed into a couple 800s in high school towards the end and then when I went to college I played soccer at Union College and I started really getting burned out. I didn't like the environment there for soccer and it was just not what I had pictured after all these years. So in order to get out of soccer during the off season, if you were in in another sport, you had an excuse. 
So that, <laughs> that uh, really motivated me to sign up for track. <laughs> and it was a really laid back program there. Our coach was awesome. And I think that both from high school and college, just having these coaches that were really laid back and, you know, wanted the best for their athletes and didn't push. And it just, it really set me up for a longevity, um, you know, after college. So I ran mostly the 800 in college. I kind of lost some speed. So I wasn't really that great of a 400 runner anymore. Um, and then after college, I went to BU Med for a year for a grad program. And when I was there, there was a kid that had just run the Paris Marathon. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And living in Boston, I got to watch my first Boston Marathon. So a couple of the guys that I played um, intramural soccer with out there, you know, decided let's sign up for a half. So we signed up for the hyenas half, hyenas half, and we did that. And uh, it was fun. So I just kept going. And then after watching the Boston Marathon, I decided I was, I was going to jump on the bandwagon and eventually sign up for a marathon. So that's kind of how I got into running. And then I moved back to the area and joined the ARE, which only um, helped because then, you know, I had people to run with. Joe Benny was doing all these pancake runs. So I was getting in long runs finally, and things started to be more consistent um, as far as running and training going. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it always helps to have a group to run with that gets you into things and has you talking to people and, and, uh, carries you along with the sport that, uh, you know, the area group really helped me get into things as well. Um, but Hey, I wanted to take a little bit of a step back here and, um, or, or maybe even <laughs> kind of move forward, move forward to 2020. And, uh, that was a really tough year. And I noticed you, you came out and you ran some really impressive races and was in really awesome shape that year. Uh, one memorable race I had with you is that, uh, run for the river race. And my son was just born like, a week or two beforehand and i he was up all night and i uh ran that race on two hours sleep and i was trying to keep up with you through 10 miles i thought it was gonna drop dead um but anyway uh that was a weird year and um now i know you were in the olympic trials in february but uh for that year for the rest of your what were your original plans and uh how did you pivot with your training to maintain and improve fitness after the trials yeah, so the Olympic trials did not go as I wanted. <laughs> Going into the race, I felt pretty fit. Um, and I just, you know, I just did dumb things. I went out too hard. I took an extra beet supplement during the race, which I never have in my life. And I ended up um, getting GI issues and I was puking. And it was just kind of... <laughs> He left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Um, and then we didn't get finish or medals at the finish line, which was the only reason why I kept going and did not drop off <laughs> because I just wanted a damn medal. And we all got to the finish line after we were all struggling because it was a windy day. It was a tough course. And we we're like, where's the medals? And there were no medals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyways, I was originally signed up for the Boston Marathon in April. And that was the first year I ever got into the elite field there. So I was super excited um, to kind of rebound from the trials, 
obviously not knowing what was going on or to happen with COVID. Um, so I was really getting ready for that. Um, and it ended up working out, I guess, in my favor, kind of. Um, I ended up getting really bad plantar fasciitis. Um, I just came back too much and did too much for it after the trials. And I was out for probably, it was probably the, my longest downtime from an injury. And uh, it wasn't until about June that I started really getting in some miles again. And I just, I needed to do another marathon. I needed some sort of rebound um, from that because I still had that sour taste in my mouth. So it was definitely a little difficult because at that point, if you recall, you couldn't leave New York state without then having to get tested and be negative when you come back. And I work, I work in healthcare. So I've been at the hospital ever since and throughout COVID and they would question us every day when we walked in, like, have we left the state? Like, have we followed all the, like, you know, everything. So I was really limited on what races I could do. I did find a marathon that was out in Ohio. And at that time, Cuomo had changed it. Like if you were in another state for less than 24 hours, then you didn't have to test. So we planned it. So we drove out there the day before and we were back in New York within 24 hours. So that was my experience was, I guess I was just more motivated to try to get something under my belt after trials, but that didn't happen until November of 2020. So, and that ended up being a pretty rough experience. It was Boston 2018 flashbacks all over again with 30 to 40 mile per hour gusts and rain and sleet and wow. <laughs> wow. But I, I learned my lesson from Boston and if anyone ever runs a marathon where it's terrible conditions like that I remember seeing everyone wearing rubber gloves that day and I did not have rubber gloves on and my fingers went numb and I couldn't get any of my nutrition at Boston so this time I wore rubber gloves over my cotton gloves and my hands stayed dry and I got all my I was able to open up all my gels and everything worked out well. So as terrible the conditions were, there was a silver lining. I learned my lesson, I got all my nutrition in and you know that makes a big difference at the end of the race and how you feel. So I I didn't feel like I did after Boston 2018. I felt I felt fine and we drove back to New York and I was in one piece. So good. Good, good, good. Um, I, I'm just uh, curious about something else regarding your trials race. Um, you know, athletes are really um, uh, sensitive about their own personal health and really attuned to their own bodies. And I wonder, I'm curious if any of the athletes knew what was coming with COVID, um, considering the fact that people were already starting to wear masks in airports around that time. Uh, I did read about how Des Linden had the flu before the race. Who knows if that was the flu or actually COVID. Yeah. Did, did, was any, was there any talk amongst the, uh, the folks that were going to the trials that something was headed this way and do this, don't do that. What, what was going on in the, um, the conversation? So I, I don't think that we thought of it as this thing at the event that anybody was paranoid on the elevator or anything like that. None of that existed. Uh, I was out in Arizona in January uh, to train, and at that time, there was the first case of an ASU student that came down with COVID, and my husband flew out, and on his way home from leaving, he got deathly ill for two weeks, like he couldn't, he was negative for the flu, 103 fever, like 
it was really bad. So at that point, I remember going to CVS before I flew back and all the masks were gone. All the gloves were gone. All the bleach wipes were gone. So there were definitely, you know, people knew something was up and I, I couldn't get a mask until I got back to the area. And then I flew to Florida for a race right before trials. And I remember getting a whole bunch at work and uh, wearing masks on the plane at that time. And I don't think we really knew, or I personally didn't really know what it, like, I just didn't want to get sick, you know, I didn't want flu, cold, whatever it was that was going around. Um, And I definitely wore a mask on the plane to trials, but I don't think any of us really under, I don't think even in the beginning when people knew COVID was here, what it was or what that meant. So... I think of us all being there and thousands and thousands of people and hundreds of runners. I don't think any of that crossed our mind when we were standing there, but I think just wanting to be healthy and, oh, airports are like a big source of infection and germs. And maybe at that, maybe I think, I think there were other people that were wearing masks on their en route to Atlanta, like I was. Um, but I don't think any of us thought about that, like on a starting line or as we all, I mean, we got, we were doing all our meals together, like a big auditorium buffet, like the things that I was doing then, like, I don't think I think of it the same anymore since we've all gone through this the past two years. Um, so yeah, we just had, n- had no idea. And then it was kind of a shock because everyone was watching Trials. Uh, I think they aired it on, was it NBC? And there was an interruption during the race because there was a COVID, you know, press conference from the president at the time. And I remember kind of being shocked that that occurred during the Olympic trials on TV. Uh, but obviously it ended up being a really big deal. So yeah, I was surprised about the uh, the president interruption as well during the trials. Um, but I guess when that happens, it's it can be assumed that it's a big deal and and there's something big headed this way. But for sure. So that well, that was a that was quite an experience for you at the trials. Um, let's talk about training and racing shoes. Uh, what kind of shoes do you wear? I, I see you mentioned the Alpha Fly before. What are your thoughts on the carbon plated shoes? Yeah, so for regular training, I'm a huge component of rotating your shoes. I think that having different trainers and not just like the same pair of the same shoe, but different brands, different styles, different drops helps keep like every like work every muscle. You're not just relying on the same muscles if you're wearing the same shoe 7 days a week. So I rotate through a lot. The, my new favorite trainer has been the Asics Nova Blast 2, and they just came out with the 3. Um, so I'm on my, I went through three pairs of the Nova Blast 2, and now I just had got the 3. So that's a great shoe. Um, it's comfy. There's foam to it. It's a light for a trainer, um, which is kind of like my go-to. I like a lighter shoe. Um, the Brooks Tempo. Hyperion Tempo is another one that I think I went through six different pairs of those. Um, Again, it's a super light shoe, great for fartlicks or, you know, not necessarily needing to put on a carbon plate shoe for a workout like that will do the job. Um, Other shoes that I, you know, I'll just kind of run in 
I have a pair of Carhus that I rotate through, a couple pair of Adidas shoes. So like I said, like different, oh, Skechers, um, the GoMax Road 5s now. Um, I am really a big component of rotating your shoes and trying different things on your feet to strengthen all the different little muscles in there. Um, as far as the carbon plated shoes, I think now it's definitely a more level playing field back when we did trials that was not a level playing field at all. Um, so there was a lot of controversy there of what people were going to wear. There were people spray painting their shoes because they were sponsored by so-and-so, but you know, if you weren't wearing the Nikes, you're pretty much at a disadvantage there. Um, so I personally like the Nike shoes. That's usually my go-to carbon plated shoe for racing. Um, Recently, I got into the Alpha Fly, but that was never um, kind of the shoe that I wanted to do. Um, it was a little too bulky for me, and then it took a while for me to get used to, but now I really love it. So, um, yeah, I think you just got to find what works for you, but I think now everything's pretty much on a level playing field. Like, all these different companies have came out with their versions. They're on the second or third round. So they're kind of, they figured it all out. So um, I think for recovery, it's good. Uh, for workouts, if you're doing, you know, a longer workout for recovery for that too. Um, but. Gotcha. I, uh, I've noticed that the, uh, the shoes work for me on the recovery end of things. And I've somewhat felt like they can, uh, they've extended my uh, my running life here uh as i've made many people know i have an injury in my right foot that keeps coming back and right now those those kind of shoes are the only shoe that my right foot can tolerate so oh really <laughs> yeah that's kind of where i'm at with that but but anyway what's what's next for for 2022 uh you said you had a marathon at some point in the future maybe that's not this year but next year what's next on the schedule for you yeah, so I'm racing CIM in December of this year, um, so I'm very excited to do that. It's going to be a massive amount of really fast people. It is the U.S. National Marathon Championship this year, so uh, this will be my third time, I believe. Yes, yeah, my third time racing CIM. So the first time was in 2013, and then 2015, and then... I'm finally heading back, so it should be fun. There's a bunch of people going out, and there's just going to be so many runners to run with, so uh, I'm pretty excited for that. I've got a feeling it might be another, possibly another big PR for you. What do you think? We'll see, so that's the goal, but. I gotcha. Uh, so what does, uh, you know, in, in getting ready for these races and doing your workouts, what does a typical training session and a training week look like for you. Um, also, when do you, how do you work in your strength training? I mean, I've somewhat struggled with this myself. It's like, okay, I have a hard workout. Do I strength train on the day that I do the hard workout or the day after to help with recovery? What do you do that has really helped you with that aspect of things? Yeah. So in terms of the week itself, um, you know, mileage starts to go up, um, I'll start running doubles. So today, like this morning, I ran 10 miles easy on a soft surface, which was super nice. It was the holiday, so it was awful work. So when I'm not working, I take full advantage of it. 
Um, and then this afternoon I'll go and do, you know, a little shakeout. And then tomorrow will be my speed workout day, which, you know, tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow looks a little scary for me, but it's, uh, <laughs> I have a two mile warm up and then two miles, a half marathon pace. And then I'm jumping on the track for some four hundreds and back off the track for another two mile tempo back onto the track for some 400s and then finishing up with a couple mile repeats. So uh, on a day like that tomorrow, it's it's going to be a little bit of a grind to get it up and get it done before work. And um, thankfully, the one benefit of COVID was Tuesdays became telehealth Tuesday for me. So that's why all my workouts are on Tuesday because I get to work from home those days and, you know, it just, it works so much better. So my coach has, you know, made that into my schedule. So all the workouts are on Tuesday. Um, and then I'm a, I'm a huge component of after, as soon as a workout is done or a long run workout, getting in the protein and carbs right away. So I use vital proteins after a workout within 30 minutes. I'm taking that um, mixed in with milk usually. And then kind of off to work and then around lunchtime I stretch out I start doing some mobility uh sometimes I do have strength on those days in which I'll usually go later on in the afternoon um because the hard stuff is already done so then I'll do a little shake out in the evening just to warm up my muscles and then go and lift um it really depends on how many miles I have for the workout that day or the long run We've kind of cut it off around 15 miles is the max that I'll lift that day. Um, anything over that, um, you know, now my long runs are up to 21 miles. So I will not, I have, I'm not lifting on those days. So the strength has kind of stretched out more before it was on, you know, a two day a week type of thing. Whereas now it's maybe once every 10 days for heavy lifting, but that, being said, I'm still always doing, you know, the basic, the fundamental core, glute, that sort of stuff. And I think that stuff is just a lot easier to know that you can do that stuff in 10 minutes. You don't need to commit a 30, 45 minute period to it, which I think really helps a lot of runners know that. Uh, I tell my athletes, you know, five to 10 minutes is better than nothing. And anybody can do it in five minutes. You know, you can be cooking dinner and have a band around your legs and, you know, doing monster walks or um, holding a plank while the chicken's cooking or, you know, uh, you know, you can do calf raises as you're brushing your teeth. So I think really focusing on, on little things like that, that you could commit to for 10 minutes makes it doable. Um, once you start getting into these big blocks of, you know, needing to drive to the gym and then do extra strength there for 40 minutes, that makes it, you're not as, uh, reliable, I feel like. So, um, those days as the mileage goes up, that part of it goes down a little bit. Um, I'm still doing it. It's just not as much of the weekly commitment. So I do try to do it on the hard workout days. So the recovery days are easy, but you know, this isn't our profession. We all work. So if it doesn't happen that day and it has to happen the next day, it's not the end of the world. It's really probably not going to make or break anything in the long run. Gotcha. But it is important that you keep on. It sounds like you're uh, you're thinking about it on a daily basis and you're probably working something in whenever yeah. you have an opportunity. That's, that's really good. And 
by the end of the week, you're probably able to hit all the areas that you want to do. Um, that's really good. What is uh, your race nutrition plan like? Speaking of nutrition. Um, so the actual race itself, I've, I've switched over to Morton recently this past year. The only problem with it is the, the 360 mix is actually, it's amazing. There's nothing wrong with the mix. It's just that you need a bottle. So, um, having a bottle in a race is pretty stressful for Fargo. They took away the elite tables about a week before the race because of the course changes. I have no idea what that had to do with the water stops, but they did. I don't know if it was a volunteer thing or what, but so I had practiced with Morton the drink mix the whole time and then couldn't do it. So I actually carried a hand bottle with me for the first 10 K or so. So at least I got in that at the five K and 10 K mark before switching over to gels. Um, and I can tolerate the Martin gels pretty well. There's just not as much in it as the 360 drink mix, which I don't think a lot of people realize. And then they rely on the gel and the electrolytes aren't the same. So I do then take a honey stinger with it as well, um, which I have used for years. So I tolerate that pretty well. Um, and then, you know, pre-race, I'm definitely up early eating. Um, I eat the same bagel, peanut butter, and banana every race, whether it's a 5K or marathon. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just, it works, so I haven't changed it. Um, I'd rather be full than hungry. Um, the trials was weird because the race started at noon, so... I, I ended up having two bagels with banana and peanut butter um, that morning. I got up really early and then had one about two hours before the race because that's what I'm used to eating. So I wasn't going to switch what I eat. So I ended up with two bagels that morning. Um, and then the night before, it's pretty typical pasta and then either shrimp or chicken, um, keeping it pretty simple and what I'm used to eating. Okay. Yeah, it's, it sounds like that trials race happened at an odd time and probably affected a lot of people's uh, norm, what they would consider normal nutrition plans. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, let's say leading up to the trials or any other race, uh, what what would you say was your favorite workout? Oh, geez. Favorite. I love <laughs> long run workouts. Like, that's just my absolute favorite. I crush every long run. Um We've be, we, I used to do two workouts a week and then a long run. And that's where I kind of realized was getting into the problem because I just, I can't do long runs easy. And then it was almost like I was doing three workouts a week and then I was getting injured. So we kind of, my coach was like, hey, well, let's just do, I like long runs or workouts and long runs. So let's just do one workout a week and then your long run workout. And then you have two. So it worked out perfect. So pretty much anything, um, you know, long marathon pace runs, something with the tempo and then fart like at the end of it. I just love grinding out the long miles. So pretty much anything in a long run workout is my favorite. Awesome. Yeah, you get to build a lot of strength from that, I'm sure. Um, so you do have a run coach. Uh and you, you mentioned run free training. Um, are you working with any specific coach through run free? Yeah. So Jared Carson, he's out in Portland, Oregon. Um, he's with the program. Basically what they do is you fill out a lot of paperwork, like questionnaires, and then they match you up with who they think would be a good fit. 
Jared ran in the trials himself um, in, in Atlanta. Super nice guy, chill, uh, which seems to be my vibe with every coach I've worked with. Um, they've just all been super nice and relaxed and laid back, um, which I think a lot of people need in a coach, um, which is really nice to see that there. I've, I've at least have experienced so many people like that. Okay. And uh, how about your cheer squad at home? Please tell us who's at home cheering for you. Who comes out to the races? Oh, so my husband usually comes out with a megaphone. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear him. He has a megaphone that's pretty loud. Um, (laughs) My parents have been at a lot of uh, my races. They were at London and Berlin, which was, which was huge. Um, And then, you know, my sister has been at a few of my big marathons as well. She lives in London. She came to Berlin. She was at London. She was at Hartford when I qualified for the Olympic trials um so and then a ton of friends in the area from willow street or re um you know they always pop up at races and it was just in 2016 when i was trying to qualify for olympic trials i ended up missing it by 45 seconds but it it was just incredible to see how many people in this community were following me and the journey and tracking me and you know really rooting for me and hoping that i would do it and uh you know it it was just very nice to see and know that there was so much support also do you do you happen to coach runners uh please tell us about that yeah so i started coaching back in 2017 um basically because i had such a great experience with all my coaches like i said even through high school, um, you know, it was just everyone was really looked out for the best in me and wanted what was best and what I wanted and what would make me happy. Um, and there was never any pressure or, you know, you see so many negative things in the running community in terms of women and their relationship with the coaches and we and just this whole dynamic that I had never experienced. And I was kind of flabbergasted that so many people were going through this and I wanted to really step up and try to provide people with the experiences that I had. And that's kind of what motivated me to get into coaching. So I started back then. And, you know, since then I've probably worked with over 30 athletes and I usually have about 15 to 20 at a time. Um, consistently training under me and it's been awesome it's been so fun to watch all of them um, see how they navigate everything you know people are with families and residencies and careers and you know just balancing all these fun things and it's just really cool to see how it works into their life and how um, disciplined they are and it's really it's fun to watch so I absolutely love it yeah, it is a rewarding experience. If I, I've noticed I've gotten to coaching some runners myself, and uh, it really makes going to the races uh, exciting from a different, different perspective, a different angle on things. Yeah. Now what? Now you mentioned Willow Street Athletic Club. Uh, is that your main club? And please tell us about other clubs that you run with currently. Yeah, so I've been on Willow Street Athletic Club since moving back in 2014. So. We the club itself was established in about 2000, and it's just had it's had such a great history of uh, runners from this community that were just you know 
I hear all stories about and, you know, look up to them. And the thing I love about it is these women are still racing in their 50s, 60s, Martha's in her 70s and still getting invited to world majors. So from the longevity's um, point of view, it's awesome to see and be around and be inspired by. Um, you know, there's no, you, you don't turn a certain age now and have to stop running or competing for that matter. And I'm someone that loves to get the most out of myself and stay competitive. So uh, it's definitely been fun to watch. And then as terms of running, we're so Willow Street's pretty much all over the capital region. Um, it depends, like we've, through all the years I've been on it, I used to live closer to SUNY and we'd have a group that met there. Uh, we recently moved a couple years ago, so now I'm farther. So I don't get over there as much as I would like. So pretty much, I mostly train by myself. I get a couple of the guys from the ARE to run with me a couple times a week. Um, but usually just with everyone's work and lifestyle, I noticed during COVID too, that kind of changed a lot of not so much people running together, but their schedules, like people were working from home. So they were kind of going whenever. Um, and then some people still have that kind of, uh, schedule and others don't. So, um, yeah, it's run with anyone, anywhere, <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> who schedule works together. Right. So it's always fun to try to get out there and get people together. And I really love trying to get more people out running together. Um, but like, it's always, it's easier said than done for sure. Yeah, that's true. It's always, it's always nice to have a, let's say if you, you're you in a running a gr with groups and you have a group to show up to run with, uh, you could always like not show up if something got in the way and you're not necessarily bailing on somebody else. Like if it was a planned group run. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course with myself, I'm enjoying some of these uh, beer runs that the brewery does next to me. That's, that's always a good thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. So, um, by the way, Phil, favorite guilty pleasure food. What is it? Oh, geez. I love everything. You know, there's, nice. I don't really <laughs> like to say that anything's a guilty pleasure because I think everything in moderation is fine. Um, so I wouldn't say anything is a guilty pleasure. I, I eat ice cream. I eat cookies. I eat whatever I want every week. Like there's no guilt associated with any of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just anything and everything. Uh, what would you say was your favorite of all? Oh, I'm a big sweet tooth. So ice cream in general. Uh, we live, we live down the road from uh, Jericho Drive, which has this ice cream all the time that we'd go to, and it was so it's so good, so good. And we were going a lot. And then I got my cholesterol back and it's a little bit elevated. So my doctor told me I can't go there as often. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, oh, no. <laughs> I thought I was the only one with that problem. Wait a second. <laughs> no, it can happen to runners. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Wow. Yeah. And I was told that is also. And I asked my doctor, is it the beer or is it the chocolate? And then she's like, it's the chocolate. Like, yeah. oh. No, yeah, no, no, we were we were eating a ton of butter too. Just because, I mean, when you're running high mileage, like the worst thing to do is like you're exhausted and waking up in the middle of the night hungry, and then losing sleep because you're hungry and getting up to eat. So I found that like ice cream really filled me up before bed, and I wouldn't wake up hungry. 
so I was, you know, but now I've, uh, you know, had to exchange some things out. And so <laughs> that's a life hack, folks. If you want to be a champion, bowl of ice cream before bed. <laughs> yes, you'll sleep wonderful. Yes, yes, I agree with that. Yeah, all good stuff. Um, so this brings us to our little, my little top 10 list uh, of sorts. And, uh, you know, it's going to be like, like this or that, which do, which do you prefer and, and why? Are you a morning or a night runner and why? I would say neither. <laughs> so I'm either a late morning or early afternoon. Um, I don't like to wake up too early and I don't, if I run too late, I can't calm down before bed. (laughs) So there's a really narrow window for me. Gotcha. That all makes, that that all makes sense. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You want to get yourself to one up for bed because you need sleep and sleep is how you regenerate your body. Um, So do you prefer trails or roads? Roads all day, every day. (laughs) Cool, cool. Uh, race, uh, do you prefer the, uh, getting a medal or a trophy if you win it? Medal. Uh, okay, cool. Um, I might know the answer to this, but track repeats or hill repeats? I think track repeats. Recently, I got into hill stuff, and surprisingly, it wasn't as bad as I thought, but I'd have to go for track repeats. Okay, cool. Um, coffee or beer? Coffee all day, every day. I can't, I can't not drink coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. In the morning or afternoon, picks you up. That's that's true. Uh, so um, you're out running by yourself. Headphones or no headphones? No headphones. Very rarely where will I use headphones, and it would be on a double that I'm just dreading to get out to do. Um, and that's the rare occasion where I have headphones on or on the treadmill, I guess, on those winter days. Gotcha. And, uh, you only have, let's say you have limited time during the day. You got to fit in something. Do you work something with hammies or glutes? Glutes all the way. Okay. Uh, and I like to put it the next one in this kind of context. So I was in the boiler maker and i was this it was a seventh mile and and what a the night before it just didn't agree with me and i do at that point do you puke it up or suck it up <laughs> i think puke it up because then you'll feel better right yeah that's all what did you do uh i think i i, I uh it sounds great i think i puked up a little bit and swallowed it and kept going <laughs> <laughs> like nope get okay. down there all right Keep going. Come on. You want your Saranac beer at the end, don't you? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I love that race, by the way. It's a, it's good a great race. So and I think I know the answer to this one, number nine, Dreadmill or Frostbite? Frostbite. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, see, I, I see you out there running Australia during the winter. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, you can always find appropriate clothes. Gotcha. You can always bundle up. And you're at a, your favorite race. Do you prefer the start or the finish? Oh, the f- I think the finish. I get nervous. Every time I stand on the start line, I say, why do I do this? Why do, why do we do this? I look around to see if anyone else is nervous and say that. <laughs> so the finish. Yeah, I always uh, 
like the start of races. I like the anticipation and everybody gathered right there. And um, that, that would be my personal preference. But last question. Do you have any advice for a new runner? New runners. Um, I think my best advice would be, you know, if you're committed, if you're going to do a race and you're signed up, look at it on a week to week or even bi-weekly, um, you know, pro- progress. So I think that's the one, the great thing about running. Usually what you put in is what you get out. It gets easier as you get more miles under you and you get used to it. So, you know, if you're just starting off and this first week was so hard, you know, in two weeks, look back, where were you that first week? Now that you're at the end of week three, you know, you should feel better. Mostly, most of the time you do and things feel easier and it just gets easier the more you do. So um, I would say don't give up and just keep pushing through and, you know, look back in a week or two where you started and now where you are in just such a short time. Well said. Karen, thanks so much for being on the Five Renee podcast. It was great to have you here today. Thank you so much. It was fun. Thanks for chatting with me, Dina. Thanks so much for listening to the 5 Renate podcast, which was the first episode in the Legends of the Fall series. Tune in next time when I'll be talking with another runner from the 518 area code. Special thanks also to local rap artist Mikey Finn, who donated music to this podcast.